Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 211, and we're going to be interviewing Tiffany. How are you doing, Tiffany? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to do this. So let's get started. Tell me about your childhood and growing up. Um, I grew up in Reno, Nevada, and my, my parents were alcoholics and heroin addicts. And, um, I don't have too many memories. My dad passed away when I was 10. Um, he had a stroke and ended up dying. I'm really not sure, you know, the logistics of it, of it, cause I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom was a waitress and she took care of my sister and myself, but she was a struggling heroin addict. So I, uh, spent a lot of time ditching school and running away pretty early on and got involved in drugs fairly early on. Where did uh, you run away to? Um, so I had a friend who would like, she was a couple years older and she would steal her mom or uncle's car and we would run away and meet men that were too old for us and um like hang out with boys and drink and just not do good things um and then as time progressed I would run away to like my boyfriend's house or whatever but it wasn't really running away in this typical sense of running away um my mom was very absent obviously. And so I, uh, I didn't have much structure or rules really to follow. So it was more so like running away from the law, I guess. Um, fairly early on 12 years old, I got caught with that friend in a stolen car, excuse me, stolen car. So that like progressed like a lot of juvenile hall visits from a very, early age so was that the first time you ever did anything like that um yeah I mean we she had taken her uncle's car and we you know joyrided it in it all day and like at the end of the day it was time to go home and um I was just like oh we'll just stay out and we ended up getting like pulled over by the police and arrested uh in that stolen car and so that happened a couple more times where I got caught with her in stolen cars. And this is like, you know, 12 years old. She was a little, a few years older, but, um, so it 
got to a point that I was on probation. And so it wasn't necessarily running away from my mom. It was more so running away and not like checking in with my probation officer and not going to school. And um, just like an all around not doing what you're supposed to be doing at 12 and 13 years old. Wow. Yeah, it, it was not good. Sounds like you grew up fast. I mean, I can't really? even imagine a 12 year old. I'm joking in, in my head. I'm thinking like it's behind the wheel like this, not even big enough to do it with their. So it, was, it is a different life. I now have a grown son and a, and a younger son. And um, as my son was a teenager, my husband would tell me like, you can't compare anything that he's going through to what you went through because you lived a life that like, it's not, it's just not a normal life. And like, he's right. I didn't have the life that my kids have. And it's just really, um, really weird. I don't know. I wish I could go back and like have a, a normal childhood. Cause it, it just gets crazier, man. It just gets crazier <laughs> from here. Um, so yeah, so um, I actually started doing meth at 13 years old. So oh my goodness, uh, it led to a you know a, just a life uh, a lifetime of you know struggle and addiction and you know just a a struggle oh. that comes with that life. Who did you do it with the first time? So uh, another one of my sister's friends, surprisingly, my sister was actually a good kid, but she just had these friends that were not so good. So um, if I remember correctly, I think that the girl uh, called to invite my sister to go out with her and it was New Year's Eve and uh, like my sister was doing something else and I was like, oh, well, I'll go out and we hung out with some guys. I was 13. I think she was probably 15. And the guys were probably, you know, 17, 18, if not, maybe a couple of years older. And uh, I did a couple lines, smoked some meth in these guys' garage apartment um, and like stayed up for three days and like stayed at her house and uh, my mom never knew. I don't even know how she couldn't looking back. Um, but she never knew. She, I mean, she was, you know, a drug addict herself. So she wasn't paying close attention to what was going on. And she, uh, at like this time, you know, when you're first using and going through all this stuff, was your mom still using or is she in recovery? Oh no, she was ne she was never in recovery. So around this same time, she actually okay. So she did get clean at some point for a few months. I think um, she uh, ended up overdosing. So I think she was clean for a few months when I was thirteen, um, and she had went out with a guy and she came home. We we were actually living in a weekly motel. My sister um my mom and myself and 
she came home and the, the guy who I guess had been like a friend of my mom and dad's years prior, um, who ironically was called John the Baptist. Um, <laughs> he brought my mom home and was like, she's drunk. Let her go to sleep. And, uh, she was overdosing. We ended up calling my aunt. She was, you know, eyes rolling in the back of her head, skin changing colors. And, uh, my aunt lived in California. She called the police and they came and like gave her Narcan and woke her up and she ended up going to jail for like some tickets. She had like unpaid ticket warrants or something. And, uh, so later, later in life, I, she told me that she had been clean and that she had like went and did a speedball and that is why she overdosed because she didn't you know she just like went back to her regular way but my mom actually didn't she did get clean from heroin when I was I think 18 but she passed away when I was 20 from cancer and so it didn't last long me too but I appreciate that I mean, I never know what to say in that situation. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, I wouldn't either. You know, life happens yeah. and it's, you know, it's just the cards. So, um, yeah. but I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just, um, to us, it's it's part of our lives. We can't, you know, yeah. it just becomes part of who we are. Right. But, um, what were you mainly you so throughout your drug use at the beginning was it mainly meth or did you explore the options yeah no i mean i smoked weed um and drank alcohol and did meth um i don't think until like my late real late teens probably 19 i like started messing around with like ecstasy and maybe like a little bit of pain pills but I never like that I um dated a guy later on um and he was you know big into opiates and heroin and Xanax and stuff like that um but I never did anything you know I was never into downers or anything and it was just it was just pretty much meth I did coke much later in my mid-20s I think for the first time um but yeah I just liked doing you know I like smoking meth um but it just it got me in a lot of a lot of shit all throughout my teenage years what kind of shit um well so on my 14th birthday I was transported to um I don't know how to even describe it. So it's a place that's called Caliente Youth Center. It's like a a youth prison, I guess you would say. When you come out, you're on youth parole. It's like a structured environment where you live like with a group of girls and you are checking each other for like doing bad things. And, you know, they're teaching you a better, better you know, way to live life, I guess. Um, so I was there, I got sent there for seven months. I got out, I went to rehab for three months. My mom was also in rehab at that time. Um, but I ran away from that rehab. I went back to that place, Caliente. Uh, I moved to California for about a year and a half with my aunt. My sister had moved there also. I couldn't get out and go live with my mom because she was 
I don't know, in rehab or out. I'm not really sure where she was right then. Um, but then, so I did well for there for a while. Um, but then somehow, I mean, I started doing meth over there. Um, and they found out my aunt and uncle. So they kicked me out. I had to, I went to a group home for a little while and then I was able to go back with my mom. Um, and so I was 16. Um, and my shortly after, I mean, I wasn't there that long, probably less than six months, I guess. Um, my mom got arrested from absconding from probation and I was on parole and I was like, going to go to become a ward of the state or something. Um, and so I met some random guy um, and went to the jail and my mom signed some papers saying that I can marry him um, three weeks after knowing him. So I married him at 16 years old with a letter from my mom. I couldn't even see her. I got a notary there. My mom was like in lockdown. She had gotten in a fight in jail. And um, they just like had her meet with the notary and sign it. Like they wouldn't let me see her. It was, a, it was just like a really strange situation. I married him. Um, at 16, wow. At 16, uh, a couple months before I turned 17. And then I had um, my older son, um, right a couple months after I turned 18. His dad was real um, abusive and uh, physically abusive and cheated on me all the time. And um, about a month after my son was born, I was back working and I got a call saying that um, my son was in the hospital and um my husband i guess had i don't know nobody knows really what happened but my husband had done something to cause him to go in the hospital he had a subdural hematoma in his hand head so like maybe he smacked him or something um what is what is that what is that in layman's terms is that like so it's like a bleed on the brain between the skull and the brain or something and, and, and how is that usually formed so shaking a baby or okay. hitting them. And he had like a bruise on his face. Um, but my ex-husband, you know, had some story that the baby fell out of his arm and he went to grab him or catch him and his hand, you know, he caught him on the face. I don't know. But he um, got charged with neglect because regardless, he didn't take him to the hospital and he had a bruise on the side of his face. Um and so the baby, the baby got taken. He went with my husband's parents uh, because I couldn't take care of him. And I was, I don't know, I was in this physically abusive relationship and I kind of believed or stood behind my husband. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I fucked up. Um, and so I was in the process of trying to get my son back. His dad was in jail. I met the heroin addict boyfriend, um, who was somebody from the past and immediately got pregnant again while my other son is not in my custody. Um, and so 
there was a lot of drug usage in and out of that um, relationship and pregnancy, unfortunately, in the beginning of it. Um, by the time I had that second baby, I had gotten my first son, my older son back um, most of the time and but was still strongly um, in you know addiction to meth while my boyfriend was addicted to heroin and meth and anything that he could get. Um, <clears throat> I got pregnant again probably like six months after I had the second baby. So now I am 19 or 20 and going to have another, a third baby. Um, my mom at this time has gotten sick with cancer. Um, and I'm pregnant like with this loser guy. Uh, and I had not, I had been clean. I had been clean for most of my pregnancy, all, you know, at least from the very beginning, you know, when I found out or whatever. Um, and I ended up doing some meth. My boyfriend was like missing. He would like just leave for, you know, days at a time or whatever. And when it come back and a friend of his came over and I did like a small line of meth and it put me into labor and I went into labor and after like being up for, you know, a day or so. Um, and while I was in labor, my mom was, I'm going to get emotional now. Uh, my mom was taken to the same hospital and died while I was having the baby. Um, so my mom died sometime before midnight and then the baby was born like sometime after midnight and uh I'm sorry no, um fine. so that sucked um which this then in turn so then I guess I was drug tested or the baby was drug tested in the hospital and uh we were positive and I actually think I was positive and maybe the baby was negative or vice versa, something like that. Um, but I still had CPS in my life from my older son. And so they took my older son and they gave me the option to place a temporary, you know, the new baby temporarily, my middle, the, second baby and his dad took off and went to Baltimore so that the second baby wouldn't be taken. So now I'm alone. My mom has died. My, all my kids are gone. And, uh, I was 20 years old and I just like went pretty hardcore for a while. Um, you mean, you mean with your drug use? Yeah. Yeah, because well, I mean, I didn't have anything else, you know, holding me back. I mean, for a little while, I was, I mean, the whole time I was going and visiting my son at this, like, I don't know what it was like community. I mean, it was like 
it was like an orphanage. If I really like be honest, it was like a kind of like an orphanage where, you know, kids were waiting for a foster home or for like their parents to come get their shit together. Uh, but then, you know, I mean, then, you know, I was just getting high all the time. And um, I ended up getting in some trouble with uh, the law. I was in the midst of a drug deal uh, with a confidential informant. And so I got arrested and uh, I pled guilty. I pled guilty to possession with intent to sell, um, mostly because I didn't want to sit in jail anymore and I just wanted to get out and I didn't think about really what I was pleading guilty to. And looking back now, I wouldn't have done that, but I pled guilty. I signed like a deal with, you know, um, I'll plead guilty to this and I'll do like a suspended sentence of drug court and probation. And if I don't do that sentence, then I will, you know, go to prison for two to four years. Um, well, I got left, let out on my own recognizance after pleading guilty. And I was to go to sentencing, you know, a couple months later and, uh, that wasn't going to work because I couldn't get clean and, how do you go to drug court if you know i don't know if you're familiar with drug court but it's where a like a little bit but explain it because a lot of people don't know what it is so it is like where you have to go to court every single week and check in and you also have to you like have like say they have five colors and you get assigned a color purple so you have to call this number every day and it will tell you a color and if your color comes up you have to go drug test and you have to do this, you know, mine was 18 months. Um, and then, you know, my prison sentence would be wiped away or whatever. Well, I knew that as soon as I had to go in for that drug test, I was going to fail and they were going to send me to prison. So I planned to leave and at 21 years old, I really wasn't thinking about exactly what I was doing because I've never been able to go back. Uh, I left, I got on a plane and I flew to Maryland to that same boyfriend with my middle son. The, oh, in this process, the baby daughter that I had um, when my mom passed, I gave her up for adoption. She was adopted to a family in Baltimore that went to church with, I'm in contact with her more than almost all of those, the other kids. Uh, but she was up for adoption. In the process of me, the eight months that we were separated, the middle child had been taken by his dad's parents. So he wasn't even there by the time I got there. Um, moved there, he was already I, I think actually he may have been sober right then. Um, we were going to like AA meetings a lot when I first got there because I was newly, you know, not using, obviously, because I just moved across the country. He was, 
uh, in AA and like living in a sober house, but it was not long um, before like he was smoking crack and I possibly, I think doing, um, doing heroin, but I can't really remember the timing. I stayed sober the whole time living there. They don't have um, meth in Maryland, at least that I ever knew about. Um, so we lived there a year, almost immediately after I got there, I got pregnant again. <laughs> um, we lived there a year, we moved to Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and then I started doing meth again because I knew a girl that lived, that we moved there. Um, not like, by this point, it wasn't like, um, I was like addicted, I want to say. I mean, I was because obviously I was still doing it, but it wasn't like, it was like I could do it and like, just not do it again. It was like oh, casual. Wow. I could casually just do it because what's casual to you? Like how often would you use? Oh, I mean, like once, and then like not not another time for like two or three months. Like I'd say oh. once, but like one, uh, you know, like one night or whatever, and like be up tweaking for a day or two. But here's the thing: before I left Reno. At the very end, when I was like at my worst, I would sit there and I so clearly remember sitting there with this girl and like literally hitting the pipe and being like, I fucking hate this. I don't know why I do it. I hate it. I hate the feeling. It doesn't affect me like it used to. It was different. But I mean, I was still addicted because if somebody showed up with it, I would just do it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was. Um, so I ended up, um, I was cheating on that boyfriend and uh, he found out and I had gotten a ticket months and months before and never paid a fine. And he called the cops on me um, because I had a warrant for that and they came and arrested me. And in that, I was in jail for two weeks, like sitting out that ticket, I guess. And um, in that time, my two kids, because we had gotten the, the boy back and I had had a daughter, um, they ended up in San Antonio with um, his parents again. He ended up like, taking 56 Xanax and driving hundreds of miles away and wake, woke up in a mental institution. And so the kids were gone. I was in jail. I ended up going to San Antonio um, with that dude's parents um, and my kids. And uh, I did really well there for a long time. Um, I met a guy and he was retiring out of the army and um he had some kids and we moved to his hometown. And again, it was just like, just occasionally we would like get some meth. But then that is when I got real into like ecstasy and sometimes um, whippets. 
not so I mean a lot of whippets a lot of whippets um and that it was like a more of a like I try I hate to say it like this but it was like I was trying to be a more responsible drug addict maybe because I was doing the whippets um and like taking dramamine like for acid tripping I don't want to give away things people don't know um like I was just doing like I don't know I say um, it's more like a childish kind now that I'm kind of thinking about it like it was I guess maybe I, I didn't know where to get regular drugs so I just had to like find the stuff you could Improvise. buy at the store yeah um which is real addicting behavior um and so that was like um not I mean that was like more just like a party life like you know we were I don't know it was weird um during that time though I got in a dispute with my um the father of my kid's grandfather about visiting the kids he called CPS on us and um I wasn't afraid of anything, but I was smoking weed and I was so afraid they were going to drug test me and take the kids that we took them to their dad's house. And, uh, I never seen them again. He moved back to Reno with them. And, uh, I have a warrant there still to this very day. I have a warrant. I can never go back. I mean, I can, if I want to like bail myself out of jail and, um, like go to court and figure out what they do. I don't know what they would do. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm so afraid. So I just don't ever go back. Yeah. But he took the kids there and I, I struggled for a long time after they were gone. Burned, I, I, you know, fell off back into meth and ecstasy and a bunch of shit. Um, the guy I moved uh, to his hometown with, we broke up. I uh, moved to Louisiana where I'm at now with, a, with ironically, the very same friend that we stole the car with on that first arrest. <laughs> my, my, I mean, this is my friend that, I mean, has been through all my trouble with me. We moved here together um, and she was a big drinker. So I became a big drinker and uh still like the same occasionally like occasionally we'd get high with somebody um and the last time I used meth we were living here it was right before um I met my husband it was my 27th birthday and some random guy knocked on the door of my trailer and was like hey, you want to get high? And I said, yeah. And he's like, I'm not talking about weed. And I said, I know what you're talking about. And I got high that day and I spent my birthday by myself sitting in the woods in the dark while some people like made meth in a soda bottle in the woods. And I just thought like, this is horrible. I... I hate this and I can't believe this is my life. And I had had like plans to like go 
drink with my friends and I ended up sitting out there and um, like a week later I met my husband and I never have been in that type of situation again. It's weird to say, but I literally just have never had the situation arise again. And so now it's like 11 years later. So it's, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, you know, I say that because I'm like in my brain, I'm thinking, you know, people that knew me a long time ago, they'll tell me sometimes like, oh, I'm so proud of you and how hard of work it's been. But then kinda, I feel like I didn't really do anything that I almost aged out, that I was, like I wasn't, I'm almost gonna get emotional again. Like I wasn't given the opportunity to make that decision as a child. Like I feel like at 13 years old, I wasn't making the decision, I feel like. And so I feel like as my brain matured and became an adult, I realized like, what the fuck? Like this, I don't know. I feel like have, had I had a different life, I probably would have never fell into that. It was just like, as an adult, I just can't imagine that ever being a way of life. And I just, I just feel like it just came so naturally that it like stopped just like as easily as it started. And I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like that's normal, but I mean, it's normal for me. So, yeah. so you, you didn't do anything specific to stop. You kind of just. I kind of just stopped. Like I said, it was, you know, there was times throughout, you know, year, years, periods where it was just like a random occurrence. And I mean, I have done all of the, you know, AA and I've been to rehabs in my, you know, through my teen years. So I feel like I had a lot of information from an early on age. I just maybe never implemented it, but it, it was never like, I think once I realized like how different my life could be without it, I just can't imagine ever going back. And so it just, it's just not been ever, a, you know, an, ever a second thought. Yeah. anymore also never once has somebody walked up to my door and randomly asked me if I wanted to get high which I mean if somebody did now I would obviously be like freaked out it would be so it would be it would it's a different it's like almost a different person that I am it's like I can't even imagine I can't even imagine the life anymore it's just such a like such a different it's and just you, like it split one day yeah that's so weird you, you never had any physical cravings like you know no you i mean it? not when i at the very end no i mean earlier you, you know previous times when i was um like hard into it and stopped when i got arrested um i was like physically craving it I mean, I would fiend for it 
in the throes of, you know, addiction, but afterward, I just think I just, I don't know. I feel like when I started and in my earlier years, when it was like big in my life, in my teens, you know, early teens and late teens, it was, I don't want to like say it was like a different drug, but it was a different drug. So when I started, it was like, I was doing crank or, you know, like bathtub crank. I don't know. As I got older, it was like crystal meth and it was a different product. And I think it affected me differently. So almost like it was just like a drug I didn't like as much. And so I feel like the cravings kind of didn't come because I, I, didn't, I didn't like it anymore. I don't know. It's so weird. When I, when I actually like voice it, it sounds weird coming out of my mouth. But it's how, you know, it's just how it happened. I don't know. Well, it sounds like me with cigarettes. One day I was kind of like, you don't even like it anymore. Like I just thought about it for a second. It smelled. Right. I was coughing up all this shit. It was it was just disgusting. I, and I ended up quitting cigarettes. I did use the patch, though. I did have some assistance. I, I also quit smoking cigarettes. I actually did not want to quit smoking cigarettes. But my husband did. He bitched at me all the time. And we used the patch. And... Um, it worked for me. How did it work it for you? It worked, man. I, yeah. It worked. I haven't smoked cigarettes in seven years or something. Six, yeah, seven, great. seven years, something. Uh, I did uh, I did pick up smoking once after that, but I used the patch to quit again. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, you know, I still, um, I still smoke weed like every day. And so I, my husband says, you know, I will say that I'm not, uh, I'll, we'll talk about this. I'm like, so it's, it's really not like I'm a drug addict because I, you know, it's not like I'm struggling for life. Like people do, you know, that they have to struggle for life. And he's like, well, yeah, you have, you have other habits, you have, you know, another habit. You just, that's your habit. You're still an addict. You're just addict, you know, you're addicted to smoking weed, which I mean, I am, um, but it's, you know, much better addiction. I'll take it. Yeah. Take that any day of the week. Yeah. Some people are completely against it. I don't know where I am. With, I mean, but I think it's okay. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think it's good to be addicted to it, but if some people, you can use it responsibly. You know what Correct. I mean? As long as that's the only way to say it is if you use it responsibly, there's no big deal because right. just I mean, like some people, you you go. Oh, no, you can go. No, I was going to say, just like some people, like I've heard of people that are like heroin addicts that once every three months they'll have a beer or something and it's no big deal because that wasn't their thing they don't right. have to worry about they don't have to worry about slipping into old habits because drinking was never an old habit right i mean well, wrong, I, look, I mean i look at it like i i go to work every single day i my bills are paid and i i can afford to smoke weed so I, you know, if I can do that, then it's not causing me a problem. Now, my son, when he was a teenager, he couldn't 
load the dishwasher, if he, I, I would know he had been smoking weed because of the way that he put the dishes away in the dishwasher. If you can't get life done, then you can't, you just shouldn't do it. And that's what, you know, that's what I had to tell people. People would tell me like, you don't feel like a hypocrite telling your son he can't smoke weed? Hell no, because you know what? I can get my stuff taken care of and he can't. And he's a teenager and, you know, he can't. One day, one day he might be able to use it responsibly. Just not right. yet. Not yet. Well, now he's in the army, so he's not using it. But that's there exactly what I said. And I, I always said, you know, if, if you would have been responsible i probably wouldn't have minded you smoking weed in high school and you know junior year or senior year but you couldn't and so i i couldn't let you i mean just because i smoke it doesn't mean that i think that children should yeah, exactly. <laughs> so i don't i i mean i always you know i always smoked weed all throughout but i i don't think that that's a the only problem i think i have with it is that it's legal where i'm at and so or illegal where I'm at. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I'm not going into debt over it. And I think it's okay. You know, hey, I there's no need and there's no need to justify it to anybody right. because I say to everybody, you know if you're sober. Right. So unless you want to lie to yourself, yeah, then have fun lying to yourself because it's gonna do nobody any good you shouldn't right. get what people think right and you know if you're sober right yeah because yeah. i use delta right. eight i've also i used to use medicinal marijuana i had like a card and everything but for some reason i just i don't like it anymore yeah you change it just, it just happens. you just yeah, change things change yeah things change yeah but i want to quit smoking because i do want to be a teetotaler I want to be a guy that doesn't do anything at all. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. I think it would be cool. I think it would be cool. I haven't gotten there yet, but. Yeah, and me neither. So you, it's it's always something to strive for. It doesn't hurt to have a goal. Right, right. And that's that's my goal is to one day not. I think I could quit smoking. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I know you can. Thank you. I appreciate that. No problem. So again, towards the end here, did you have anything else you want to add in? I don't think so. My last question that I ask everybody is, do you have any advice for people watching and listening? Um, yeah, I think my advice would be... Hmm... I think my advice would be to to remember that nothing stays the same and everything is always changing and where you're at look I'm getting emotional where you're at right now is not where you're going to end up and so I feel like I have been at the worst places in life and I never thought I would be where I am now. And if you just keep trying and keep going, and I feel like, you you know, if you just keep looking at the bright side, you, you know, your future is bright. If you look negatively, you're not that your future is negatively, but 
negative, but if you're optimistic and looking forward, you know, life, life is always getting better and where you're at right now is not where you're going to end up. So I think that's my advice to just know that things always change. That's pretty powerful. I really, that's good stuff. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, that's really good. All right. So I really want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. No, it was a pleasure. You did awesome. Thank you. All right. So do me a favor and hang tight for a minute. And for everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out on all social media. We're on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, Tumblr, you name it, we're on it. I also suggest checking out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you'll find plenty of free resources and free literature. So I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. And until next time.